Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you and helps you to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. Let's dive in. Um, listen, I'm excited to jump in today. We're actually launching a vision series. So, so Vision Sunday is, is the beginning of a series of where God is taking us this year. I, I used to always be kind of pressed to fit everything into one message. But today is just going to be a foundational piece that before we jump to what God wants us to do, I think we need to start on who he wants us to become. And, uh, and so I'm excited to preach to you today. But before we, we dive in, we have a very special friend in the house. He's going to hate that I do this, but I'm doing it anyways because we're a culture of honor here. Uh, we have Pastor Heath Hardesty from Valley Community, uh, who is a dear friend of mine. We just got back spending a couple days together in Arizona at the GLS uh, Network. Uh, we are going to be hosting the GLS Leadership Network Summit uh, together. How many guys know uh, churches can still get together and... Uh, in the same city, and so we're excited for church. Every, I mean, just anybody who is anybody, we, we, we're going to invite. You're going to hear a lot more about it, but we're also going to tap into the business sector and uh, really use it as an outreach. So, uh, Pastor Heath, my guy, you are the best, man. I love you so much. It's an honor to pastor in the same city with you, but more importantly, it's an honor to do life with you, my friend. Uh, we had a good time. So if you guys have your Bibles, open them up to Mark chapter 5. We're going to start... In verse 24, I got to go quickly because I don't have a lot of time. Uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 24 says this. So Jesus went, uh, so Jesus went with him. The kind of context of this is there was a, a, a man whose daughter was sick, and he had Jesus, can you please send my daughter? And so Jesus was like, let's go. So Jesus went with him, and on that way, a large crowd was following, pressing against him. A woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years had endured much under many doctors. She had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. Having heard, everybody say heard, heard, about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his robe. For she said, if I can just touch his robe, I will be made well. Instantly, her, blood of flow, her flow of blood ceased, and she sensed in her body that she was cured of her affliction. I can't tell you the title of the message yet because that's going to be revealed in just a couple of minutes, but I do want to pray for us. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, as we open up your word, Holy Spirit, will you illuminate our hearts and our minds to the beauty, the reality, and the breathtaking and matchless worth of Jesus. God, I pray that you would uh, help us, Lord, not to just come in and come out today, but we would, we would come in and be transformed as we go out as lights in the midst of darkness. So do what only you can. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Well, I would have never imagined this last year that I would go to Guadalupe Island, which I used to watch on Shark Week, and dive with great white sharks. I mean, it was just incredible. Not to mention a storm hit the week we were going. It's just kind of what happens to me. And, uh, but it turned out to be more than I could have ever imagined. We uh, ended up finding out that half the trip, uh, half the people on the trip canceled, so we were upgraded to suites with a, a window and how many of you guys know when you're going 250 miles out to sea, you, you want a window? Um, and then, and then we, we missed a day, but we got to dive more than we would have in the three days, in the two days, because half of the people were gone, so we just dove all day. There were nine great whites with us the whole time. It was incredible. But on top of that, when we got back, a, a friend of ours who's also a member of our church owns some vineyards and some property in like the Napa of Ensenada. It's called Valle. 
which means valley. And so he picks us up, and we, we go to spend a couple of days with him. And, and just the, the view is breathtaking. His land is incredible. We're on top of the hill, and, and you look uh, down into the valley. He owns, like, all of these vineyards. But when you look out, it's so deserty, if that's even a word. It, it, it looks dry, but you see agriculture and land, just like you would expect in the valley. But right about here, you would have never suspected that there's, like, a five-star resort. It blew, and this is where we were staying. It, was, it blew my mind. I was like, how did we get off a dirt road into a dirt parking lot and then bam, way more than I could have imagined. And then he said, we're, we're going to go. We're going to go. Uh, I want to take you to a special place. And, and this was it. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. Another dirt road, another dirt parking lot, a big tree. And I couldn't have imagined what was underneath, which was a five-star restaurant, which was the best food I've ever eaten in my life. I'm talking, it was an eight-course meal. I sat in heaven and was like, Mexico, you have my heart. It was incredible. I had no idea there was so much life in the valley. It, it, it was so much more than I could have imagined. And I, and I think about the, the valleys throughout history of men and women facing difficulty and challenge change, problems to be solved, of which some just couldn't imagine anything ever changing, but some, some imagined that maybe there, there, there was a little bit more. In fact, as we look throughout history, we see the, the Wright brothers who said, I think we can get this plane in the air. I think there's more. We, we look at Albert Einstein with E equals MC squared. It's not even the most famous formula. Most people think that it's the most or it gets the most attention because of its uh, influence in nuclear power. But Albert Einstein, he's just saying there's something about energy and matter that can connect. There's more. And then we see Martin Luther King battling the racial injustices of his day in a godly, in a kingdom, in a biblical way. In a time where everybody was just kind of like, this is the way it is. He said, no, I, I, think, there's, I think there's more. I think about Steve Jobs. You know, wrestling in the 80s saying there's got to be a better way that we can connect with software. There's got to be a better way that we can interact. And in the 90s, something was kind of birthed on the inside of him that maybe we can do some type of applications. And next thing you know, we have the app store, which is a blessing and a curse, right? But then you have the, these two older women, the Hebrides Revival. One of them was blind. One of them was bent over with arthritis. They couldn't even make it to church. They didn't have online, so they had church where they were in their house. And they became burdened with the reality that young people were no longer coming. That there was a dryness and a, and a sense of, of apathy in the land, and they began to pray. And God broke out revival where students were coming by the hundreds and even thousands. Revival hit the land. People would be walking down the street and they fall on their knees because the presence and the power of God was so rich. They just said there's got to be a little bit more. And so I think about the valleys of our day, the challenges that, that you and I are facing. And some of us, we can just settle in the pocket like, I just don't know. Maybe this is it. Because we're a little bit tired. I think about Time Magazine came out with the, the great resignation is what they're calling it. 4.3 million Americans quit their job in August. 
And it says that the result was burnout, tiredness, and wearisome from the pandemic and the demands. And people are tired. In fact, you know, the people that are left still working are even more tired now because their jobs have doubled. I don't know if you guys noticed, but Starbucks, uh, they close down once in a while now. You show up, you're like, dude, it's 2 o'clock. Where are you at? So finally I asked somebody, I was like, what's going on? They said, we don't have anybody to work. Wow. And, and, and we, we look at the drought that we're in. Yeah. I think it, it can almost be a, a picture of spiritually of kind of what we're facing in our day. But it, it brings great concern. And obviously the pandemic hit, changed the, the landscape of so many different things. I think about now as war is happening in the Ukraine and young girls and boys are having to take up arms to figure out life and to try to survive. How do we navigate this? We, we have, you know, a, a, a cry for injustice, but there's a totally different way of doing injustice or fighting for um, the injustices that are out there. You can do it in a secular way, in a biblical way. And can I just tell you, a biblical way is totally different. Because sometimes in our means to, to try to, you know, tackle some of these injustices, we too can become the oppressors if we're not careful. God wants us to handle things in a kingdom and in a biblical way with the gospel at the center and Christ out in front. I think about the political valleys of our day. My Lord. And it's like midterms. I'm like, no. Like traumatic, post-traumatic stress, Right. Here we go again. But I think how now ideologies and theories and ideas have now become doctrine. People are finding their identities and their belongings in one side or another. There's relativism, which says there's no such thing as absolute truth that has been on the rise in our nation. As a result of all of this chaos, it's rooted in uh, postmodernism. We kind of talked about that a few months ago. But it's really heartbreaking. Relativism said there's no such thing as absolute truth. You do you. Do what you want as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. The problem with that is in order not to hurt anybody, we have to have a, a, a moral law that we all agree upon. To, to differentiate between right and wrong. And because there's no such thing as absolute truth, everybody is defining their own morality and it's chaos. It's confusing. I think about all of the, the divisions that have been happening, even in the church, that personal preferences have now become moral imperatives. They become, you know, absolute truths in a world, in a culture that says there's no such thing as absolutes. Can somebody help me? It's confusing. <laughs> but I think one of the things that breaks my heart is seeing what it's done to the church. The church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it, but, but there's, there's, there's been so much chaos and and division, it's like we're trying to usher in the kingdom of God without him. Wow. So it's, and then, then I woke up the other day, and this is, this is what I saw. Oh, actually, I was, it was like 10 o'clock at night, and I text Pastor James and Pastor Chris because, sorry, Pastor Nick, I didn't text you the other night. It was, we were on a trip together, so I apologize. Um, but, but at 11 o'clock at night, I see houses of worship face clergy shortage as many resigned during the pandemic. Uh, Pastor Heath and I were sitting with the, uh, uh, some pastors this last week, and one lady said, man, seven of our staff just resigned to go, not to other churches, to go back into the marketplace just because they're like, I'm just done. I, it's so much easier to do that, right? I mean, pastor's like, I don't want to deal with it. I don't get paid enough. 
And so they're leaving, and then Hillsong, megachurch, exposed, docuseries. I have many friends in Hillsong, and, and you can't believe everything that you, you read and you hear, but also there are some realities and some tragedies of pastors that have lost their way, moral failures. And can I just tell you, as your pastor, I'm not exempt from that. We've got to guard our heart. We've got to keep our head. And we have to, we have to stay, stay in the fight. And, and then, then we, we look at... The depression and the anxiety that is, is happening, you know, Xanax and Valium have gone up in sales, uh, uh, they, they double X, so they've gone up 50% in sales over the last couple of years. 25% of students that are 13 to 18 are wrestling with anxiety disorders. And you heard me say this a few months ago, but I'm going to say it again, that the average child today exudes the same amount of anxiety that a psych patient did in the 50s. Just a normal child. And so, so we, look, we look at this. The, the experts are saying that, man, one of the biggest epidemics we have is loneliness. One study from Harvard said that 40% of Americans have one to zero confidants. That means throughout this whole time, nobody has, almost half of America doesn't have anybody to process with. Doesn't have anybody to talk about their pain, to walk with them. And in all of this, God is like, can you imagine more? And these are the two words that God has given Jackie and I and our team for our church this year. It's simply to imagine more. As, as we're facing the challenges of our day, the difficulties, the valleys. And it was really birthed. I, it, it, this kind of came. It's a very familiar passage that it was birthed out of. But, but John chapter 10, verse 10, I, I didn't put the scripture on there. But it says, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life. And watch this, and that they may have it more abundantly. It's interesting because Jesus, the backdrop of this is he's talking about the false religious teachers that are leading God's people astray. And almost like that same um, language of just like your father, the devil, is, is, is bent on still killing and destroying. So are the false teachers. So are the false prophets. And he's saying, but in the midst of all of this, in the midst of all of the ideologies, in the midst of all the chaos and all of the leading of the stray, uh, in the midst of everybody saying this is the way and that is the way, Jesus said, oh, but I have come that you would have life and that you would have it more abundantly. But, but this more is not like the world's more. It's not a selfish more. It's, it's, it's a more that transcends circumstance. Right now the church is thriving across the world. It's thriving in persecuted difficult regions. It's flourishing in those places. So opposition has never been new to the church. And if you go throughout church history, what we've experienced here in the West is really kind of an anomaly. The church has always faced difficult times. I mean, the backdrop to this, Jesus is telling them, I've come that you would have life, have it more, and have it more abundantly while Rome is oppressing and dominating the day. While the religious leaders have lost their way, where there's dryness in the land, and Jesus says, man, I've come because there's, there's more. And what if this more is the fact that God, it's not just what God wants us to do or to have, but who God wants us to become, that he would transform us in such a way that you and I, as followers of Jesus, would impact the very landscape and scope of our culture. That's a more that we need. So I wish to today I had like all these like, like quick little, hey, this is what we're going to do. I don't have that today because we've got to start with who we are. 
we got to start with who God has called us to become. In fact, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. That if we are going to imagine more for our future, it starts with more of him in our present. And so I have no other, like, cards on the table today except for Jesus. That if we are going to imagine more, it starts with more of him. And I think this woman is, uh, is with the issue of blood, we don't even know what her name is, is going to help us to see some things as we unpack the text. The first thing, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down as this, is that we need a fresh surrender to the lordship of Christ. Come on, you ain't ready for this this morning. Like, we love Jesus as our Savior, don't we? Oh, save me, Lord. When we're in trouble, God! Which is good. And he's an ever-present help in time of trouble. We love Jesus as our healer and our provider. Can I get an amen? But how about our king? Like, when's the last time you just said, I want you to be my king? Lord over every area of my life. Access to every chamber of my heart. Over everything, like, I want you to be the authority over everything. When's the last time you prayed that? It's, it's not very popular. It's, it's almost like, no, we, we like all the other ones, but to like the Lord? Lordship? Man, Pastor Matt, I thought it was going to be a different message today. But there's more. Can I just say that there's more? I love Sunday mornings, but Sundays are a vehicle to him. I love small groups, but small groups are a vehicle to him. I mean, I love the fact that we can serve together and, and be on mission together, but, but those things are vehicles to him, for us to get to him and for us to help others see him clearly. I love what Matthew Henry says. He says it this way, all the grace contained in the Bible is owing to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and unless we consent to him as our Lord, we cannot expect any benefit by him as our Savior. John MacArthur, I, I'll never forget this quote. It challenged me so much back in the day. I don't know if it's holy... Correct, but I think it is. Um, but he says, if Jesus isn't Lord of all, is he Lord at all? And it doesn't mean that we're, we're going we're to be absent from struggles. We're not going to make mistakes. And you don't want to walk around like he is Lord of all. You know, but, but is, is, is it true? I think one of the things in our day that can be tough is prosperity can be a great hindrance of lordship. And when I say prosperity, I'm not saying you have to be financially well off. You can just be comfortable. You don't really have too many battles going on. It's just kind of living your life. It, it can be tough to surrender to the lordship of Christ in seasons of blessing and prosperity. Because it's like, oh, God, man, we're good, but, you know, I'm good. I remember the rich young ruler and he came to Jesus, and there was that. He had everything. He had power. He had esteem. He had wealth. And he comes to Jesus, and he's like, yeah, but this eternal life, I don't have that in my portfolio. So he's like, man, can I get that? And Jesus, you know, challenges him knowing that his idol is money. So it's not, it's not a sin to have money. Can I just say that right off the bat? It's not a sin. It's a sin when money becomes your God. And so Jesus knew that money is his God. So he says, hey, how about you sell everything and give it to the poor and follow me? And he's like, man, I love eternity. Savior, provider. But I don't believe there's more on the other side of lordship. Let me say this. I think today we are so overlearned than we are lived. And I think the reason why may be a lordship issue. Because if this is what God says in his word, you would think that we would pursue and surrender and submit with all of our heart. 
We have to be so careful that we just don't hear and consume, but we allow the Spirit of God to penetrate our heart as the Word of God is being preached, as we're seeing Jesus clearly, loving him deeply, following him wholeheartedly, that that something is happening on the inside of us. Are you tracking with me? So this woman, it says that Jesus... uh, Went with this man, and there was a large cloud, followed and pressed in all around him. And a woman was there who had suffered from bleeding for 12 years. She had borne much agony under the care of many physicians, and she spent all she had. But to no avail, instead, her condition only grew worse. So under the law, let me give you a little background. This woman was deemed as unclean for 12 years. So meaning nobody could touch her. Everywhere she sat would be deemed as filthy. If you touched her by accident, like, oh, my bad. You'd have to go home, you'd have to wash your clothes, take a shower, and couldn't come back till evening. Like, you would be considered unclean until evening. She, she was not allowed to worship in the temple. How many of you guys know this woman was losing a lot more than blood? Sometimes we read over the text so quickly, but she was losing so much more. I mean, imagine if she had a husband. Probably not anymore. Imagine not being able to touch your kids your parents, everybody loves you, they just can't touch you. Financially, she was spent. The the word that Mark uses is this word mastic. And it's in the Greek, and it literally means to whip, to lash, to be tormented, to be scourged physically and shamefully. That was this woman's condition. Come on, can you think like, oh, man, sometimes one year, sometimes a couple of weeks, sometimes 12 years. But sometimes I think we forget that we also have issues of bleeding. And maybe, maybe you felt the loss of some of that. Like when there's unrepentant sin, it will cause you to bleed and you will lose so much more than just your soul, which is very important. Maybe some of you have been bleeding relationally. There's, there's been a lot of damage and dysfunction. You just feel the loss. It's like it's just life is getting sucked out of you. Maybe it's been emotionally. My, my heart breaks. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, the, the, the people in Ukraine. You could just imagine emotionally looking at your kids. Like, oh, my goodness, what is, is going on? And, and so maybe it is physically for you. Maybe there's a physical ailment and it just seems like it's forever and you just don't know what is going to happen and, and you're struggling and you've tried and you've spent and you feel the agony, you feel the loss. Because that's what it says. It says that she was, she was in agony. She was spent. And she only grown worse. Like, you know that feeling when you're reaching for something, you're reaching for anything, but nothing is working? I remember Olivia, she flushed the Advil bottle down the, the toilet one time, and I just, I tried, I, mean, I put my hand as far as I could in that toilet, but we had to call a plumber, they had to funnel it out from the street, it was just terrible. But you know, when you're trying to reach for something, some of you have been reaching for an escape. Like, I just need a listening ear, I just, I, I just need a way out, I need to find some purpose. Some of you guys have been crying out, why God, why is this happening to me? And then sometimes you reach out, and you don't find what you're looking for, but sometimes you reach out and find it, and then you realize it's not it. Yeah. Like, like, like dating, she's the one. Six months later, she's not the one. She's not the one. Are you, are you with me? And so this woman, she tried everything, and everything left her untouchable. 
I want to take you back uh, this last month when I had when I came down with COVID. I thought it was going to be a quick boom, boom. I'm going to be done and out. But that wasn't the case. And I, I remember I, I was I was I started off declaring, just praying over my lungs, like God, Yahweh, the breath of God, you are in my lungs. And then I wasn't getting better. And then you start to get concerned, like I'm good. And then you're not getting better. And then you start to get scared. And at that time, I, I turn on like the news on my phone and everything's like, die, death, boom. I'm just like, oh, no. I, I remember moving from kind of fearful and, and there was a moment where I just looked at Jackie. I was struggling so bad. I'd been, it felt like I'd been sick forever. I'd but only been a, uh, a few weeks and I just looked at her and I just started to cry. And I tried so hard not to do that in front of my wife, you know, because I don't want to like put a, like make her... She's already dealing with enough. She was sick as well. And I just was like, man, but I just don't know. And so you just feel the gravity of that. And I remember one time that, that, uh, that the, her and the girls left, and I, it was just me and God. And, and literally, I was standing right here in, in, in my doorway going into my kitchen. That's my dog on the bottom. And, uh, and, and I, was, I was standing. Yeah, he's a big boy, isn't he? Um, I was standing right here, and I just started to weep. And I'm like, man, God, I preach this stuff. I, I declare this stuff. So I just, in this moment, it was a fresh surrender to the Lordship. I said, God, my life is yours. God, if, if you want me to live, I'm going to live. If you want me to die, I'm going to die. But nevertheless, I'm going to rejoice in you. I want you to get glory in all of this. And I just settled it in my heart. It was a fresh surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. And I remember laying in my bed at night, and I thought this was the enemy. And I just remembered all the people that I buried over the last two years. And they're great men and women of God. And the, the reality of that I am not exempt from suffering hits you so with, with such a gravity. And I just remember laying in there and I said, I am alive purely because you say so. It's only by your grace. Not because I'm a pastor. Not because, you know, no. Not because you got even got great plans. It's because of your grace for this season of my life. And can I just tell you the gratitude and the gravity that I felt coming out of this thing, the best part about it was that fresh surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. And, and, and here's the deal. Here's the deal. You don't have to suffer. Suffering can be a great catalyst to surrendering. But, but you don't have to suffer to surrender. Zacchaeus was a wealthy man. Jesus shows up, has lunch with him. He's like, oh, my, I'm giving everything away. Transform in a moment's time. You don't have to suffer to surrender, but you do have to surrender. Just feel that. Second thing is this, is that we need a fresh faith that Jesus is the way. We need a fresh faith that Jesus is the way. It says, when the woman heard about Jesus, she came through the crowd behind him and touched his cloak, for she kept saying, if I only touch his garments, I will be healed. Now, we know Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says that faith comes by hearing, and by hearing the word of Christ, by hearing the good news, the gospel of Jesus, the beautiful reality of who he is, that redemption is here, that the kingdom of God is at hand. And so, so she's hearing all of this. She's hearing the stories. I mean, it's getting around. Jesus is gaining some popularity. She's hearing about the miracles. She's hearing about the power. She's hearing about his healings, and the best part, it's free. He's doing it for free. Because in this day, there was a lot of superstition like doctors. 
So probably just took a lot of her money that way. Like, oh, we're going to fix you. Just do this and drink a potion and take a lotion and you're going to be fine. And he deals with destitute people. He touches the unclean. And something begins to stir on the inside of her heart. Remember a, 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 a story of a, of a rabbi. There was a couple, some, two parents that were um, struggling with their, their son. Like they really wanted him to love the word of God. But every time they sit down to teach it to him, he would just, they would, they would pray and he'd get up and sneak away and play. And they're just like, man, you sit down. So finally they take him to the rabbi. They're like, rabbi, our kid is rebellious, doesn't, like, doesn't love God, just a terrible child. So the rabbi's like, well, hey, bring the kid to me. Some of you guys are like, that's my kid. <laughs> What's going to happen next? Um, so he says, bring the kid to me. And he grabbed the kid. The kid's name was Mordecai. And he pulled him in a little bit closer. And then he put his head on his chest. And he told her, shh, shh, shh. They're like, what are you doing? He said, I want him to hear the heartbeat. I want him to catch the rhythm. So sent, sent the kid home next week. Don't even have to ask him. He's memorizing the Torah. They're like, what did you do to my kid? <laughs> Watch, after service today, there'll be a ton of parents walking around their kid like this. <laughs> oh, Lord, hear the rhythm. But, but it, it, was in, it was in that moment that she's heard the words of Jesus. She's hearing the rhythms of God's heart. She's hearing the rhythms of his compassion, of his grace, of his power. She's hearing the, the rhythms of his touch. And hope starts to arise. And she said to herself, and she kept saying to herself, what are you saying to yourself? Like, like have you heard about Jesus? Some of you have been saying to yourself way too long, it's impossible, it's too big, it'll never work, God can't use this for his glory, it's too deep, I'm in too thick. And you've been speaking like that to yourself way too long. Can you come and hear the stories, the rhythms of God's heartbeat? She's hearing the stories of Jesus, she's hearing the words of Jesus, and then she's meditating. Because it says she kept saying to herself, if I could just touch if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I don't even need to touch him or bother him or interrupt. I just need to touch the hem of his garment. You know, the average human thinks about 70 to 100,000 thoughts per day. If you have anxiety like me, maybe 150,000. <laughs> what are you saying to yourself? You know, the brain is three pounds with 100 or with a billion neurons in your brain, and each one of those neurons are branches. They branch out like a tree that connects to other neurons. Each neuron is able to make 5,000 to 10,000 connections with other neurons, making 5 trillion connections your brain is able to make. Each connection is tied to something like your memory. As I said that sentence, you are remembering what I just said, and in this particular process, those patterns and connections of neurons are coming together with every sensation that you remember, every thought you think transforms your brain by altering the connection within that network that by the time I get to the end of this sentence, you will have created a new memory, which means your brain will have physically changed. And she just keeps saying to herself, if I could just, and we, and we, know, this, we know this from the Greek, if I could just, if I could just, touch him 
Every thought, listen, in this process, every thought, every memory, every connection, as she continued to say here to herself, if I could just touch him, if I could just touch him. At this moment, her brain is coming into alignment with the truth of her creator. And something began to open up on the inside of her heart. And all of a sudden, the possible didn't seem as impossible as she dwelled on the awesomeness, the beauty, the glory, and the reality that the Savior is here. Like something was shifting in her physically, in her brain. The Bible talks about the mind a lot. My buddy, Pastor Tyler, he's going to be here a couple weeks, and he's going to talk about the mind. But the Bible is constantly moving us toward think upon things that are above, things that are noble, things that are worthy of praise. Set your mind there. Because sometimes you have to touch up before you can touch down. We gotta, we gotta fix our mind. If I could just touch his clothes. So her mind, her heart is coming into the reality that Jesus is the answer. And in that place, the mountain starts to shrink. And the reality and the power and the beauty of Jesus starts to look so magnificent that she says, I don't even need to interrupt you. I just need a little touch of your clothes. Why? Because she's imagining more. Something has shifted in her mind. There's, there's, there is so much more. There's so much more. Which leads me to my last point. Is we need a fresh boldness that comes from beholding. I, I think this passage gets, gets skewed. Like we don't talk about it. We just pass by it. But it's a large crowd following pressed around him. Every time that, that we're pursuing, every time that we're reaching out for a touch, every time that we're pursuing Christ, there, there will always be a crowd. I just showed you a plethora. Can I just say, I just showed you all these things that are happening in our world. We didn't even talk about your personal life. My Lord. But Satan is going to do whatever he can to keep you from hearing, to keep you from surrendering, and to keep you from seeing Jesus. He doesn't mind if you're a part of the crowd. He doesn't mind if you're trailing behind the crowd. He doesn't mind if you're shouting down on a Sunday. Just don't touch him. Just don't touch him. We say, what does beholding have to do with boldness? Remember what she's pressing through? Like she had to, like this crowd is pressing around. She's an unclean woman by the law. This girl's about to break the law. She has, she's already been ridiculed a thousand times, but now she's going to be even more so. And she's going to touch people, let alone touch the rabbi. But she's beholding. And there is a boldness. There's this fighting through the crowd, fighting through her past, fighting through the insecurities, fighting through the law, fighting past her fears. She couldn't clean up before she comes. Some of you have bought that lie. You're just waiting on this moment of, I'm going to clean myself. I just got to get some things right before I surrender. It doesn't exist. Like this woman, was, she, she's like, I, I am unclean, but I am going to touch your, your clothes. And she presses through all, contaminating, demolishing. I mean, that takes some, that's so risky. Probably would have stoned that woman after that. But it didn't matter because she's beholding. As Stephen is being stoned to death for preaching the gospel, he's beholding. He says, man, I see the Lord beholding him, standing at the right hand of the Father. Lord, don't count this against them. And they're 
pummeling him with stones. Beholding will give you a boldness that, that you've never experienced. Peter, as he's stepping out of the boat into the sea, there's always going to be a sea. There's always going to be stones. But what does Peter do? He's beholding. And he's walking upon the very thing that should consume him until he stops beholding. Then he's like, oh. And Jesus is like, I still got you, bro. And so are you, are you guys hearing what I'm saying? See, see, we need a move of the Spirit. And a lot of times we think that a move of the Spirit is simply by waiting. Holy Spirit, waiting for you to do something. But can I say the Holy Spirit also moves by beholding. Look at this. We all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to the other. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. you got to hear me on this. The word that he uses, it's, it's beholding as, it's as if a reflection in the mirror. But Paul's not talking about the reflection. He's talking about the intimacy and the closeness. As we behold, look, look at this. There's, there's so much more. As we behold, there's one degree of glory to another degree of glory. And we're being transformed no matter what is happening. And it doesn't even matter because we fixed our gaze. Because we're beholding the beauty and the majesty and the glory of him. That's amazing. intimacy we're fixing our eyes on the author and the perfecter of our faith a closeness this is go ahead you can stone me want to walk on water let's go I, it's, it's not me I'm just beholding and then in the process the spirit is transforming our hearts to be more and more like him can I just tell you, before we can start to imagine more for our future, we need him so much more right now in our presence. And as he is transforming our hearts and our minds, as the spirit of God is at work, oh, you will imagine beyond what you could even think possible. This woman was breaking through every, you know, this, this word that, a word that is used for imagine, it's really only found a couple of times in the scripture, predominantly in the King James Version, but it literally means to break out into. She's busting through so many norms, so many, with such a courage, with such a boldness, but yet such a humility. She's like, I'm just gonna touch, just, I just gotta get a little touch. I'm not trying to make a scene, I'm not trying to interrupt the, the procession, I just, I just, I just, I need to touch, I can't even see her. I, she may be looking at his back, I just, if I could just touch. So if we're going to have a fresh surrender to the Lordship of Jesus, can I just ask you a question today? What are you saying no to him where you should be saying yes? It's just a great question to take home today. A fresh faith that he is the way. I, so many times we, we, we say he's the way. We, we, we know that in context, but we don't follow him. Because I think there's a lack of faith sometimes in our heart, in my life and in your life, where it's like, I, I know, but I just don't believe that. And he's like, oh, my God, I've come. All these false shepherds, don't, don't follow them. I, I'm here because there's more. There's life, and there's life more abundantly. And, and if we're going to behold him and walk and live with courage and boldness, but a gentleness and a humility, 
She didn't come arrogantly, break through, I got faith. No, she just came humbly, just crushed through the crowd. I just, I just need to touch him. Gosh, we just need so much more humility. And as we behold the humility that he displayed for us to have life, it's just motivating when we can look at one another despite everything and just humble ourselves and say, I'm here. So what is the big reveal today? I don't really have a big reveal, but I'll tell you one thing. Last year, the best thing we did all year is we developed a rhythm of fasting and prayer. You just heard pray first. It changed so many things. So this year, we're going to focus on a daily Sabbath rhythms. Because if he's going to be Lord, we're going to have to take time to reflect and evaluate our lives to be like, are you really Lord of my life? See, the Sabbath, we're not under the law anymore, but the Sabbath was, man was not meant for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was meant for man. And the principle still stands that not, not just, maybe it's not a day for you, but we're going to develop rhythms throughout our day where we can reflect we can have our faith stirred and we can behold every single day. I'm just telling you, church, you're going to need that. In the coming days, listen, I'm so grateful that, you know, every year we're like, it's, it's getting better. And then we go to war. We're just kind of coming out of this and we're, I think there's more of that to come. And I think if we can focus on the more of who he wants us to become more, and we can start there. More than what we want or more than what our desires are. If we can put our dreams and our ambitions in his hands and say, Lord, transform me as I'm beholding you. Holy Spirit, transform me more and more into the image of the Son. I think we're going to win this year. So we got to develop some rhythms of Sabbath. Moments throughout our day that we're stopping to ask ourselves a question. Are you Lord today? To ask the questions, man, am I hearing your word? Is it stirring my heart to believe for the impossible? And I might be holding in such a way that I'm living with a confident boldness, no matter what's happening in my world, that people will be able to see the light of Jesus because I'm staring at him. Let me pray for us. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your word. Lord, I, I, I want your church to really know you. And God, I, I, didn't, I didn't even think, like, if you would have asked me last month, I thought I was surrendered, but there's so much more. I thought my relationship with my wife was amazing, but there's so much more. Lord, I thought I had good rhythms with you, but there's so much more. God, help us to imagine more this year with you, not apart from you. Help us to imagine more with you. Listen, if you're here today, maybe you're online and you're just like, man, Pastor Matt, I just need to go all in today. I need a fresh surrender to Jesus. Would you just slip up your hand if you're here? If you're online, you can let us know in the chat. If you're just here, just say, man, I need to surrender. I see your hand. Yep, thank you. I see your hand. Yep, see yours. I see yours. Awesome. Yep, yep, yep. So listen, I'm going to pray a, a, a commitment prayer with you. There's nothing magical about the prayer, but it's like wedding vows. I'm going to give you the words, but you make them your own. If you're online, you can pray this with us too and let us know. Just say, Father, in Jesus' name, a fresh surrender today. Forgive me for my sin. Wash me clean. Give me a heart for you. 
Fill me with your spirit. I confess you today as the Lord of my life. Access to all of me. Authority over all of me. You're my king. I believe you died and you rose. I want to understand that deeper every day. So help me to see you clearly. Give me a hunger for your word. Fill me with your spirit. Transform my heart. I'm saying yes to your more, to you. Because as Carissa said, you're enough. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, can we give the Lord a big hand this morning? Thank you again for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast, where our heart is to lead people to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. You can also find more content by following us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and by downloading our app.